Well, good morning. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. Well, I am Matt Sprinkle. I am your student pastor here at Alice Tribe Baptist Church, and uh, I'm excited to be hanging out with you all this morning. But before we get started, can we pray together? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this morning. God, that we can come to your word, that we can study it, and God, we can see how it applies to us. God, I pray that if there's someone in here who does not know you, God, that you will just move in their lives and you will do what only you can do and that you'll bring them to yourself. God, help them to see their deep need for you. And God, for those of us that do say that we follow you, help us to remember who it is that you are and help us to apply it to our lives each and every day. God, we thank you so much for the hope and the joy that we have in Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, so before we get started in today's uh, lesson topic, scripture, uh, I want to know this, right? How many of you love a really good story? How many of you love a really good story? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah. So we, we all love a really good story, right? Um, when I, I, I think of this, I'm not talking about like my fish was this big, right? And if, if you're saying that, I've got questions, okay? Because right now it just looks like you're holding a TV, um, I'm not talking about when I'm saying stories. I'm not talking about, um, excuse me, officer, I, I didn't see the speed limit sign. That was back there. No, I'm talking about stories that take imagination, right? Stories that pull you in, draw you in, and they even kind of help you escape reality of what's going on. I think about uh, my, my own kids, right? When I'm telling them stories, it always has this mischievous monkey named Piddly-Poo. I didn't name him. They named him. I didn't name them. All right? So anyways, every story that we start, it has to start like this. And once upon a time, because if they're not awake, they're now awake or either a little freaked out. Um, but they, it draws them in, right? And then they go into a story about race cars or knights and castles and princes and princesses. And then all of a sudden, this weird little monkey named Piddly Poo shows up and caused mischief. And in this moment, for like for us as kids, we love stories like this because it helps us to kind of escape the reality that we may have been in. For instance, our goldfish just died and we watched mom and dad flush it down. Some of you have experienced that, I hear. Um, maybe, maybe it's your favorite cartoon show just got canceled. Or maybe your sibling got to go do something that you've been wanting to do for a while now and mom and dad just ain't, ain't giving in. But we all love stories. But listen, if we're honest, as we get older, right, the once upon a time fairy tales just don't help us anymore. The reality is that we all love a good story because we all long for the ability to even escape reality at times. I know for me and when I got to college, um, the paper that was due in 24 hours this is the reason that I procrastinated and played video games, right? or the test that I really needed to be studying for. I know none of you students can relate because you're all diligent and get your work done. Um, but even maybe it's that we wanna escape the, the stress at work, right? Or maybe it's the distress that's going on at home. Like this is why we get sucked into binge watching movies or TV shows because these stories that are going on, they help us escape the things that are around us, whether we read books or we develop hobbies or maybe you're like my kids and you watch YouTube and watch other people do their hobbies. 
But all of these things are great. However, let's address the deeper issue that's going on when we try to do this. See, we all long for something more than what can keep us happy in the moment. All of us long for something that's more than what can keep us happy in the moment. I referenced a a verse a few weeks ago, Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says this, Also he, being God, has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. So we see that we are created to long for more. It's natural for us to, to want something beyond what this life has to offer. And we try to fill this gap that we're filling in our lives with stuff, or maybe it's success, or maybe it's even just learning a whole lot of things, or maybe for us it's even religion. But let's look at that, right? In all honesty, these, these, this only leads to continued emptiness when done like this. Think about it. Stuff. Stuff satisfies until the new thing comes out or until your brother, friend, neighbor, whomever gets the cooler version. And when it comes to success, success is great until it's not. We live in a world where there's always something else to achieve or to be gained. And when it comes to learning, knowledge is great, but there's only so much that we can actually know. And let's look at religion, right? Religion, the statistics for the Bible Belt alone is super disheartening when we're living in a post-Christian world. See, most people just end up adopting the faith of a relative than actually owning it for themselves. I love what one theologian said. One theologian said this, wanting something real, wanting something real and finding something real are two different things. Wanting something real and finding something real are two different things. So the thing, of, uh, so what about your relationship with God, right? You must do more than want a relationship with God. You must find it. You must find it for yourself. So since we're here this morning, this is where we're at, right? This is my prayer for all of us this morning, is that we are awakened to the spirit of the goodness of God's grace. My prayer for us is that maybe someone in here is that you experience God's goodness and his grace for the very first time. My prayer for us in here this morning is maybe there is someone in your life that you can share God's grace with. So if we long for something more, more real than the world we live in, I believe that the disciple John shows us where we can find a real life. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 1 today. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open it up there. John is one of my favorite writers because John is very blunt. He's very straightforward, right? He says you are either in the light or you are either in the darkness. You are either with God or you are either against him. There's no middle ground, right? It's either you're here or you're there. I love John. I think that there's a reason that John got the nickname alongside of James, um, the sons of thunder, right? Do you recall the time where he's walking with Jesus and Jesus just gets disrespected by a bunch of people? And so John's like, well, and James are like, listen, Jesus, 
You give us the word, we'll call fire from heaven just like Elijah did. We'll wipe them all out. And you can imagine that in that moment, Jesus is like, oh, John. No. I love it. I love John, but if, if anything, I love the heart behind why John writes. John said in 10, uh, John 10, 10, he says this, Jesus came so that any who would believe may have life and have it abundantly. That was John's heart in writing. So that people could experience real life. So I pray that God would give me the same desire for people and the lost that he did John. Maybe a good prayer for you this week, for all of us in this room, maybe a good prayer for us. And if we pray this prayer, get ready, right? But maybe a good prayer for us in this room is God put someone in my path that needs you deeply. And even by saying that, right, some of you already have somebody on your mind and you know that you're going to run into them this week. See, his purpose in writing is for his readers to be exposed to a life that is real and authentic, a life that is overflowing with joy and a life that is shared with others. And now that we understand who John is and why it is that he's writing what he does, let's read 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 um, we'll start in verse 1 and go to 4. Uh, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. All right, pause right there, right? Can you imagine being John, a guy who walked with Jesus a guy who watched Jesus perform many miracles for people, who helped and came alongside so many, but not only so many, but how Jesus even impacted his life firsthand. I think it's interesting how so many people go about reading Scripture without realizing that what we have a lot in the New Testament is firsthand accounts of what they experienced. But see, John does something interesting here in verse 1, right? It's the same language that we see in his gospel. In John chapter 1, you say, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then the Word becomes flesh. Travel with me back to Genesis, right? Genesis 1. When God creates everything, right, how does he do it? Speaks it with his words comes life, right? You keep reading in the Old Testament, you run into the Valley of Dry Bones, one of my favorite, favorite uh, passages in Scripture, because it says this Valley of Dry Bones, they weren't just dry bones, they were very dry. Like there was no life at all able to be in these bones. But yet he says, prophesy to these bones, use words, and it brings life. You see this promise play out all through the Old Testament and then the New Testament. You have the word becoming flesh in the form of Jesus. Why does Jesus have to walk on this planet in order to bring life? And John experienced that firsthand. 
This word of life, Jesus, was the final revelation of God to man. I love what John Piper says. John Piper says this, when God becomes a man, man ceases to be the measure of all things. And this man, Jesus, becomes the measure of all things. Let me say that again. When God becomes a man, man ceases to be the measure of all things. And this man, Jesus, becomes the measure of all things. Once he is experienced, he is known. Um, how many of you in here love unsweet tea? Unsweet tea. Where are my unsweet tea drinkers at? Yeah, just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Some of you are like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to pray for you. Um, where are my sweet tea drinkers at? Sweet tea drinkers. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. I'll see you guys um, later. We'll get sweet tea. Um, and where are the people that didn't raise their hand for anything? There's a next step room after service. Uh, we'll, have a, we'll have that conversation. But once you've experienced it, right, you know the difference between the two. Like, if you, if you go to the south from the north, right, and you ask for unsweet tea, and they place a sweet tea on, on your table, and you drink it, you instantly take a step back, and you say, I feel like my insides are now coated. Listen, all things that are good are bad for you. <laughs> That's terrible. But if you're from the South, right, and you know sweet tea, and you go to the North and you say, all right, I want some sweet tea, and they come back and they set this, um, this tea down on your uh, table, and you take a sip of it, what do you feel? Instantly betrayed. This is not sweet tea. And then they go, oh, that's because we don't have it here. And throw a couple sugar packets on your table. Like, I got to do the work. Grandma just poured like a gallon of that stuff in there. Like when you've experienced it, you know the difference. You know the difference. If you've experienced Jesus, the things of this world that don't satisfy, you know exactly why. So John shows us and his readers that real life is made known only in Christ. I think the first thing that John shows us, even through verse 1, is this. Real life is revealed to us through Jesus. Real life is revealed to us through Jesus. Look at what he says in verse 2. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. So this life that John was proclaiming uh, was out of the ordinary. This was not an ordinary kind of life. In fact, he labels it. He says it's eternal life. I'm going to try my best with this, right? But I believe the word in Greek is ionios. Can you say ionios? Some of you, while everybody else said it, went, you pass. Um, but Ionios, right, is Greek for eternal life. And eternal life that John is talking about here, it means to be without end, right? Never cease. This is a truly fulfilling life, right? This is the difference between happiness and joy. Joy is something that you can have. It's something that you look forward to even when times seem really rough. Happiness is one of those things that you can have in the moment and it can change very quickly, Right? If you don't believe me, if you have kids, you've seen this, right? But my kids, let's just say, for instance, this is just kind of a story, uh, that my son, we go, to, we go to McDonald's and we get a Happy Meal toy, or 
thing, right? And it comes with Pokemon cards. He's in the Pokemon phase. Um, all of you that have been there and done that, when does it end? Uh, but anyways, he's in the Pokemon phase, right? And so let's say that he opens his Pokemon cards and he finally gets the version of Pikachu that he's been wanting so badly, right? He's ecstatic. He's riding home. He's like, I got it finally, yes! He gets out of the car, goes in, sets it down for a brief moment, and his two-year-old sister comes along, and it is now no longer a Pokemon card. In, in seconds, he goes from happy to I'm going to kill her. <laughs> like the emotion changes so quickly. See, this is a life that was experienced. This eternal life is one that is experienced. And this was a life that was lived out with Jesus each and every day. So a question for everyone in the room is this. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Think about it. Who is he? Was he just a good person? So because he was a good person, I'm just going to try my best to just live kind of like what he did. Or do you only trust what he says when life's going great? Do you only come to him asking him for things when life seems to be okay? Is he kind of like a genie for you? Or does he point out your brokenness? And does he reveal your deepest needs? See, for John, he experienced Jesus firsthand. But above all, he lovingly trusted him and this is how we experience Jesus still today. See, the thrust of the gospel is to repent and believe and lovingly put our trust in Christ. See, John puts it this way. In John 3, 3, he writes, um, Jesus answered him, being Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is moments before you get to the most popular verse that everyone knows, right? John 3:16. But he's telling Nicodemus in this moment how it is to know that he's been born again. And this interaction is very interesting. If you have never read this interaction, I would encourage you go and read it. I love Nicodemus's honesty because he looks at Jesus and he's like, "So you're saying be born again? I'm pretty sure that's not how human anatomy works." And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You got it wrong, Nicodemus. This is not born of the flesh. This is born of the spirit. This is an, inter an internal change in who you are. So John helps us to check ourselves. Let me ask you, are you born again? Have you experienced Jesus? I think John lays out some ways for us to know if we are born again. And if we have experienced Jesus, check it out in chapter 4, verse 7. Do you love God and do you love others? Do you love God and do you love others? Chapter 2, verse 29. Do you strive to live out a life of righteousness? Chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not strive for selfish ambition and pride. Do you strive for humility? Chapter 1, 8 verse, uh, through chapter 2, verse 2. Do you make a habit of sin? The person who has experienced Christ does not make a habit of sin. And chapters 3 and 5 show us that a life that has experienced Christ is ultimately set apart. When people look at you, when people see you, do they get a glimpse of 
his kingdom on this earth? Do they get a glimpse of who Jesus is and why it is that he came? The opposite of this, John helps us to see that too. 1 John 3.10, he helps us to see that those who practice the opposite of these things are considered children of the devil. Remember, he's very blunt and straightforward. In fact, in John 8.44, you see him uh, writing down what Jesus says to the Pharisees. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want, to tr- you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and not holding to the truth, and there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And this was to the Pharisees, but today I would say that this is to the counterfeit Christians. They like to put up a good front. There are a lot of people who are out there that like to put up a good front as if they are a Christian, but when you really just start digging in, the question has to be, who is Jesus to them? See, think about counterfeit money, right? Counterfeit money It may be good while it's in circulation. It's hard to tell counterfeit money. In fact, most of you would be like, I don't know, it's 100. I'm going to go spend it, right? But you take it to the store. They might accept it unless they have something to be able to check it. But it is going to get pointed out in the ultimate end the moment that it arrives to the bank. I think John is helping us to see that one day everyone gives an account. So we have to ask ourselves, is my faith my own? Is my faith my own or or do I say I have faith just because grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, whomever, they went and took me to church every single day and so it's really all that I know, so yeah, I'll just go with it. Or is my faith, maybe it is a front. Have I really sought forgiveness and, be, and believed and, and began to lovingly trust Jesus? I think the second thing, not only that John is showing us that real life is, a, is shown to us, revealed to us by Christ, it is this, real life is experienced only in Jesus. Real life, this, this life we are talking about, one that's full of joy, is only experienced in Jesus. Look at what John continues to say in verses 3 and 4. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Something amazing happens here for those who believe. Once real life is experienced, once you experience this kind of life that John talks about here, you cannot help but to tell people about it. Look at the life of the Apostle Paul, right? He murdered Christians, and then God radically saves him on his way to Damascus. And then you find him end up writing in Romans 1.16, For I am unashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation. Once you've experienced this life change, you can't help but to share it with other people that are around you. John was excited to declare to all of his readers this truly fulfilling life that could only come through Jesus. See, many of us, if we're honest, we hesitate to share the gospel. I remember about seven years ago, I tried to go into, um, I lived in Prosperity, I tried to go into town, which if you know Prosperity is a one-stop light town, so it's not a big town. Um, But I tried to go to the coffee shop downtown, right? 
And I would go in there, I would do some schoolwork, I would work on some ministry stuff. And one time I was in there and I had like five or six books laid out. I was really trying to work on my schoolwork. And then in walks this guy and it's just me and him in this coffee shop, big open area, tables everywhere. And he sits right here. So I'm like, okay. And then he goes, so what you doing? I'll take my headphones off now. I'm trying to study. He's like, what are you studying? Um, a book of the Bible. Oh, so what are you going to school for? Oh, I'm going to school, trying to get my master's in Christian studies. Oh, so you believe in God and stuff like that. Yeah, I believe in God and stuff like that. And then it turned into this big, long conversation where he proceeded to ask me some questions that I didn't even know the answer to. And so I had to tell him, I don't know. And we exchanged contact numbers, right? And it's like in that moment, I, I could have let fear like kind of paralyze me and be like, bro, you don't know the answer to that. Abort, abort, get out, get out, go home, house on fire. But I had to tell him, I don't know. And then we met a couple more times at this coffee shop, and then unfortunately we, we broke contact. And I can only pray that maybe through some of our conversations that God is going to use that in some way to help this gentleman see who he is and his need for him. But I think that's a lot like us, though, right? We, we stop from sharing the gospel at times because we feel like we have to know everything. Like it paralyzes us. An okay answer to give somebody is, I don't know but you need to follow it with, but let's talk about it more. I'm gonna go look it up. And then there's some things you just don't know, that's faith. Maybe sometimes we're afraid like, oh no, if I, if I start talking about religion with this person, they're just gonna get angry, so I just need to not, not approach that subject, right? Or maybe, maybe we're just afraid that they're going to say no, but if that's really our reasoning when it comes to not sharing the gospel, like we're already saying no for that person, I've, I've, gotta, I've gotta say this, right? It's not your job to save. Don't you dare say no for somebody. Blessed are the feet of those who go and preach the gospel. Blessed are the feet of those who go and preach the good news. That's not your job to convict. That's the Holy Spirit. He's a lot better at it than you. I know from experience. My parents telling me things all the time growing up, and then the Holy Spirit's like, You're, they're right, you know. So we have all of these things that kind of hinder us from sharing the gospel, but why do we make it so complicated? We overcomplicate it, right? It's easy to share the gospel. Start with your story. If you have experienced Jesus and who it is he, that he, he is and who he says he is and what it is that he's done for you, start there. That's what John just did. Start where he made a difference in your life. Share your story. Start there. What was your life like before you met Jesus? Matt, I don't want to go back there. Uh, go back there because then you need to be reminded of his grace. Your life before Jesus, when you met him, when was the moment that you met him? And what has life been like since? Dude, it's been rough. Yeah. Following Jesus isn't always easy. 
Some people need to hear that. Start with your story. Your life before him, when you met him, and your life afterwards. Live out the gospel in a practical way. This is why I loved um, taking food to students at schools. Uh, Number one, I got to embarrass our students, so that was kind of fun for me, not them. But... I got to go and take some extra chicken sandwiches and some pizza and stuff like that. And I'm walking in and I sit down with our students and they're like, oh yeah, that's my youth pastor. And then sometimes their friends will be like, you go to church? And then you're like, ooh, something you want to tell me? And then sometimes they're like, you go to church? And they're like, oh yeah, you need to be there too. And sometimes I go, yeah, and you need to be there too. But I love it because it breaks down the barriers in a very simple way. It meets students where they're at. I think we overcomplicate it way too much when it comes to sharing the gospel. So why is it that we share? John lays it out for us. I think the first reason is this, is for the sake of fellowship. Fellowship with Christ and with others. Listen, Christ lived a perfect life so that we could be made right with God and have fellowship with him. And I think the other reason that we should share is for joy. It's for the joy that we have in Christ and it's for the joy that we have in others living in light of that joy as well. It is everlasting satisfaction in the things of God. I love what Warren Wearsby said. He said this, Warren Wiersbe says, fellowship is Christ's answer to the loneliness of life. Joy is his answer to the emptiness of life. Fellowship is Christ's answer to the loneliness of life. Joy is his answer to the emptiness of life. So what is the bottom line for today? I think it's this. When you know real life, you will share it. We share real life because we know real life. So where are you today? Are you still trying to escape the realities of life by filling it with temporary things and happiness? Listen, some of us in here, maybe you needed to be reminded today of who Jesus is and what it is that he has done for you. And you need to be told, keep up the good fight, continue the race. Don't give in, don't give up. Look at what he's done for you. Following him is hard at times, but keep going. Maybe some of you in here, you have never experienced Jesus, and today is the day where you need to experience Jesus for the very first time. And you're tired. You're showing up. You're like, Matt, I'm just, I'm tired of doing life alone. I'm tired of constantly being dissatisfied. Jesus is standing there. He says, come, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some of us in here, we need to examine our hearts, and we need to ask the question, okay, who is Jesus to me? Remember, counterfeits are really good at putting up a front. So maybe your faith isn't, hasn't been your faith. It's just been the faith that you've adopted from somebody else. And today's the day where you lock that down and you own your own faith in Jesus. Maybe some of you in here, you needed the encouragement that, hey, sharing the gospel isn't as complicated as we make it out to be. And there is somebody in your life who God has placed on your mind already that you need to go and share the gospel with. But let me ask you this. What would it look like if Alice Drive Baptist Church really understood that real life is is revealed to us in Christ, is experienced through Christ, and if we have experienced real life, we should share it. I think our community would have joy and hope like they'd never seen before. 
So where are you at today? Who is Jesus to you? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this morning. Father, I pray for those that are in the room that maybe they have never experienced what it means to have a relationship with you. God, that you will do what only you can do and you, that you will draw them to yourself. God, help them to see that the thing that they're longing for is really only found in you. This real life that they're searching for is only seen through Christ and experienced with him. God, for those who say that they follow you, maybe they just needed encouragement. God, give them the courage this week to go and share their faith. God, give them the reminder of who you are and what it is that you've done for them. God, maybe some of them, they have overcomplicated what it means to share who you are. Maybe they need to go and write down who you are. Maybe they need to write down their story so they can be reminded of your goodness and your mercy and your grace. God, we thank you for the hope and the joy that we find only in Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.